Hello, and welcome to a Rock or Something podcast. I am Specialist Linwood Thomas, and today we will be speaking about Men's Health Awareness Month. Um, I'm joined here by a special guest. Uh, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. My name is Major Corey Campbell. I'm a physician assistant. Um, currently deployed to Camp Bonsteel, Kosovo. And um, I work as the Task Force Med physician assistant as well as the Brigade Senior PA. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Um, so first off, I'm going to talk about um, Movember. Um, so Movember is um, a word that is taken from uh, mustache and November, obviously, uh, because this is um, Men's Health Awareness Month and uh, that falls in November. Um, so there's a foundation called the Movember Foundation um, that promotes men's health. Um, it started in 2003 in Melbourne, Australia. It was a couple guys that got together, decided to um, grow out their mustaches for the month of November just in support of some uh, causes um, and it got really popular. They've now um, raised about 837 million, funded over 1,200 projects uh, in more than 20 countries. Um, are you aware of the rules of Movember? Um, in preparation for this interview, I, I looked up on the website and looked at their foundation, so a little bit familiar, but okay. just for those purposes only. <laughs> Got it. So um, the rules are pretty much you begin November 1st uh, with a clean shaven face. Uh, you grow and groom a mustache for the entire month and no beards are allowed. So that means no connecting sideburns or chin hairs to your handlebars. I mean, that's about it. So uh, men's health awareness focuses on some key topics. Um, so we'll just go through a couple of them uh, and see what you have to say. Um, first off, there's prostate cancer. Um, for those who don't know, the prostate is a small walnut-shaped gland in men that produces the seminal fluid that nourishes and transports sperm. Uh, the American Cancer Society says this about prostate cancer. Um, prostate cancer is one of the most common types of cancer in men. About one man in nine will be diagnosed with prostate cancer during his lifetime and prostate cancer is more likely to develop in older men and in African-American men. Uh, so just jumping right into it, uh, what are some warning signs of prostate cancer? So if, if you're having any urinary symptoms, um, that can be a sign. Um, and with any type of cancer, um, you can have uh, certain signs and symptoms where you have unexplained fevers, uh, sudden weight changes, night sweats, those sort of things. Those would be concerning. Um, oftentimes though with prostate cancer some of those symptoms don't um, present until later when it's um, sometimes been a little bit longer as for the cancer to develop and possibly even metastasize um, but um, yeah those, those are some of the signs and symptoms you, you, you want to look out for. Okay so um, a few other things that I saw um, were um, burning or pain during urination, um, loss of bladder control, blood in your urine or semen, um, painful ejaculation. Um, how exactly is prostate cancer checked? 
So um, historically, we used to perform a procedure called the digital rectal exam, um, but that has um, fallen out of favor. Um, current research supports using a lab now called the prostate-specific antigen. Um, whenever there's a suspicion of prostate cancer or if the provider and the patient, after they reviewed the risk of being tested for prostate cancer, both agree, um, we'll then we'll order the lab and, and screen the patient for um, sus uh, that specific lab. However, that specific lab isn't that lab isn't specific for prostate cancer. Other types of conditions that can occur when that lab is elevated would include um, BPH or benign um, prostate hyperplasia, um, prostatitis, which is an infection of the prostate. Um, those infections are bacterial, which can be from E. coli or even sexually transmitted diseases. Okay, so I had heard of the PSA test. Um, so is that like blood work? Is that just a simple blood draw and then you send it off for a test? It is, yeah, that's all it is, a simple blood draw. Um, sometimes we'll also just throw in a urinalysis, um, especially with any type of urinary symptoms. Um, because there could be a urinary tract infection that um, that we want to make sure we rule out or that the patient doesn't have. Um, but yes, that's specific uh, or it's sensitive for prostate cancer, but it can pick up um, other types of conditions as I previously mentioned. Okay, um, so when should a man begin being tested for prostate cancer? So. In the military and in most primary care clinics in the United States, uh, we they go off the United States Preventative Task Force recommendations or USPTF, um, which for the uh, males between the ages of 55 and 69, they have a grade C rating, meaning that it's selectively recommended. So that's where there's a conversation between the provider and the patient and we um, talk about the, the, the potential risks of having a false positive lab, um, as well as um, the potential upside of catching prostate cancer early. What constitutes a false positive? So that's, that happens whenever there's an elevated um, prostate-specific antigen test, and we go through the steps, which would be um, referral to a urologist in most cases, and where they'll do a transrectal ultrasound, and then possibly, and then if there's still suspicion of prostate cancer, then they'll do a biopsy of the prostate, and if they still can't find it, then it would be considered a false positive. Um, so a biopsy is them getting a piece of the prostate, or, or? correct? Yeah. So um, usually they'll have a needle or a needle core biopsy of the prostate, um, which will then go to a pathology lab and then look under a microscope and see if there's any cells that are suspicious for cancer. Okay, so um, this is a, a progressive series of testing. It is, yes. It's so, like I said before, the PSA, it's sensitive for prostate cancer, but it's not specific. Um, so it can pick up other conditions um, like the B BPH as well as prostatitis. Um, so even if it's elevated, it doesn't necessarily mean you have prostate cancer. You want to look at the whole picture, see if there's something else that might be causing it. Maybe run some other labs, um, especially, especially dependent on the age. Um, but uh, it's, it's not always going to be specific to prostate cancer when that lab is elevated. Got it. Okay, so what is recurrent prostate cancer?
that's where um, the treatment modalities we have right now, um, you either irradiate the prostate um, or sometimes they completely remove the prostate. Um, in those cases, you, you wouldn't have a recurrence. However, if, if they use irradiation and there were still uh, symptoms started presenting again and then they did another biopsy and found it to still be present, then it would be considered recurring. Okay. What are some treatment options for a prostate cancer diagnosis? Um, so again, to be handled by a specialist, um, uh, typically uh, it'd be in conjunction with a urologist and a, an oncologist. Um, but uh, from what I understand, and because I'm obviously not either one of those, I'm just a family care um, uh, physician assistant, um, radiation is a treatment or a complete removal, um, uh, also called a prostateectomy. Okay. Um, so, I guess a, a huge question would be if prostate cancer can kill you. Yeah, so um, over time it can. Um, I remember actually in school they would, um, the kind of running joke was if, if, any, if you live long enough you'll eventually get prostate cancer. Um, but uh, if left untreated it could eventually metastasize into other organ systems, typically the bone system first and then, and then following other organs in the, uh, as it progresses. But yes, it, it can eventually metastasize and get to organs that are vital to sustain life and then kill you. Okay, so the uh, American Cancer Society uh, has prostate cancer as the second leading cause of cancer death in American men behind lung cancer. Um, it also says that one man in 41 will die of prostate cancer. So um, would you say that's a pretty big number? One in 41? Yeah, I, I would say that's um, concerning, but it, it's still relatively rare um, when comparing to, to the frequency of um, patients dying from lung cancer. Right, that makes sense. Okay, so another focus, excuse me, another focus of uh, Men's Health Awareness Month is testicular cancer. Um, stats say this year an estimated 9,560 men in the United States will be diagnosed with testicular cancer. About one out of 250 men and boys will be diagnosed with the disease during their lifetime. And it's estimated that about 410 deaths from testicular cancer will occur this year. Um, what are some signs and symptoms of testicular cancer? So typically we'll have patients that, um, I've had a couple cases of this, and, and t typically it'll be patients um, younger, um, the age range uh, most commonly is between the ages of 15 and 34. Um, and they'll, they'll come into the, the clinic uh, complaining of either a growing mass um, or possibly pain in that area. Um, but typically it's a, uh, a mass that they can't really explain. Um, and then we do a furlough evaluation to see what's going on. Okay, so I've, I saw a painless lump or swelling on either testicle um, pain, discomfort, or numbness in a testicle or the scrotum with or without swelling, change in the way a testicle feels or having heaviness in the scrotum, dull ache in the lower abdomen or groin, uh, sudden buildup of fluid in the scrotum, breast tenderness or growth, uh, or a change in 
size or a lump on the testicle. Uh, can you speak to any of those that you didn't? Yeah, so most of that just is, supports the whole change in size of, of the testicular area. So if you, especially if it's asymmetrical, if there's one sided, um, one side is getting larger than the other for unknown reason, you definitely want to come in and get it checked out so we can make sure that one is not testicular cancer and figure out what else is, might be causing it. Okay, um, how exactly is it diagnosed? Uh, typically, I would refer a patient for ultrasound testing. Um, will there, um, an ultrasound techn technologist will um, evaluate it and then a radiologist will um, take a look at the images and see if it's suspicious or not for um, a cancer-causing tumor um, in the testicles. Okay. Um, and I also see blood tests or um, an actual surgery to remove a testicle. Like, at what point is it that serious? Um, so if, if there is a high suspicion um, for testicular cancer, then a urologist will typically perform an orchiectomy and remove the testicle. Um, but other treatments can be done as well um, to include radiation therapy, chemotherapy, um, depending on the disease stage and tumor type. Okay, so we talked about um first removing a prostate and now removing the testicle. Um, can you live without those? Yes, you can. Um, so for the prostate, if it was removed, um, there may be some level of incontinence or difficulty holding your urine. Um, so uh, there would be some lifestyle changes um, for that. For a testicle, as long as you have the other testicle intact, um, you can still procreate or have kids. Um, but um, if, you, if for an unfortunate reason you have to remove both testicles, then, then you wouldn't be able to, of course. Right. Um, so there's no way to prevent testicular cancer. So when should a person see a doctor about it? So if they're having, if they notice any type of large painless lump, like you men mentioned, or even sometimes painful, um, any type of mass that they're concerning about, for late stages, just like any other cancer, if you started having unexplained fevers, weight changes, um, uh, night sweats, um, you definitely want to come in right away. But for testicular cancer, it's usually pretty slow growing, and um, mass, uh, an unexplained large mass, is what usually is going to happen first. Okay. Um, when we spoke about um, breast cancer a few months back, um, the doctor did not recommend self-examination. Uh, what's your stance on self-examination? Yeah, so it's, it's not my stance, but again, it's the United States Preventative Task Force, USPTF. They give a grade D recommendation, which is no rec not recommended to do so. Um, so that's what we follow in the military, and that's why I tell the patients that it, there's not really a, um, a benefit to do self-testing um, on any type of frequency of occurrence. So. Is there any uh, particular reason for that? Um, it's, it's mainly about the benefits of detection and early versus the harms of detection and early intervention. So um, if you have what we talked about having a false positive, just like we talked about with the PSA lab for prostate cancer, um, then you have to go through all these different types of diagnostic tests, possibly also a needle core biopsy of the testicle, testicle which has possible complications such as infection, um, uh, difficulty with um, uh, um, other difficulties that, that involve the testicles. 
Um, and so you, you have to weigh those hand in hand um, with the idea of early detection. And um, with that being said, and given the research, the United States Preventive Task Force doesn't recommend um, for self-examinations. Okay. Um, do either prostate cancer or testicular fall under uh, the hereditary category? Like, is it something you get from your family? Like, is there a genetic component to it? Um, so, yes, there is. Um, there is that is a potential risk factor um, for both, um, but. And it's a conversation specifically with prostate cancer that we have with patients. So, for example, if you are a patient that's African-American, if you were a patient, and then you also had a family member um, develop prostate cancer at a relatively young age, then that's, I'm going to most likely recommend that we perform that lab, at the very least just to get a baseline and see where you're at, and then maybe discuss doing annual um, blood tests just to make sure that if it does change that we identify it and get you their proper specialist. That was annual blood tests? And, that, and that's a conversation that we can have, but yeah, that's something that annual versus whenever symptoms do arise that we talked about with the urinary symptoms, um, and specifically with prostate cancer. But um, yeah, there's not necessarily a recommendation that I'm aware of. Another big topic uh, for Men's Health Awareness Month is mental health issues such as depression and suicide. Uh, here at Iraq or something, we have discussed suicide a few months back, um, so we know that it is um, a good idea to include it in the conversation, make, make a conversation of it, uh, put it, get out in front of it, um, if you will. Um, but we'll focus on depression here. Um, how do you know if you're depressed? Um, so there'll be signs um, that you would definitely start to see, um, especially if you're a colleague, friend, or family member. Um, you would have loss of appetite, um, difficulty sleeping, um, you know, possibly feeling down, depressed, hopeless, those sorts of, um, maybe there's, uh, you know, signs at work where you're not necessarily engaged as much, um, not, co not conversating as much as you, you typically do. Um, yeah, those are some of the things you might see change um, with, with someone who is going through a depressed state. Okay, so if someone thinks that they are depressed, what should they do? Well, definitely talk to somebody. Um, so here at Bond Steel, we have primary care providers, um, but we also have a behavioral health staff um, that includes um, a psychologist and a behavioral health technician and both of them are more than capable, as well as the primary care staff, of uh, discussing the, um, what the patient is going through, if it is depression, and then also talking about um, a treatment plan, which can range anywhere from um, psychotherapy um, to um, uh, medication or a combination of that. Is there, does depression fall on a scale? Like, is there, um are yeah. Levels yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of have a mild, moderate, severe depression range, and it's usually um, via a patient health questionnaire. Um, uh, so they'll they'll ask, we'll ask a series of questions, and it's it's the answers are how often do you experience these 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 um, types of symptoms or these types of feelings um, over the last week or two. And um, if they have it, you know, more often, like more than half the time versus once a week versus 
um, every day and then that'll give us a number and then we add up that um, those numbers and if it's in each individual range between mild, moderate, and severe, it kind of gives us an idea of where, where they're at. So what are some reasons that a soldier might suffer from mental health issues? Uh, yeah, so if they're going through um, a, a, uh, a family issue maybe back home and they can't really um, help a certain way, that might get them down. If they're having issues at work and maybe they're not getting along with their boss and it feels like there's just nothing they can do about it, um, th that's maybe an issue where they might feel depression or they just might feel homesick and they just want to, you know, um, uh, be with uh, family and so forth and uh, maybe they're not getting along with people that they're um, currently stationed with or deployed with. Um, those are some potential risk factors. Um, but it, it, could, it could be a lot of things. I'm just throwing out some, you know, common hypotheticals. And that's in a deployed setting? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what about um, back in the States? Yeah, so um, similarly, like if they're going through family issues, maybe they're getting a divorce, maybe uh, their kid is sick and they, there's nothing they can really change about it. Um, maybe they're sick individually and uh, they're going through chronic pain or, or chronic disease. Um, yeah, these, these are all concerns for the potential for depression. Okay, so you talked about um, the Behavioral Health Department. Um, are there other resources that soldiers have available to them? Yeah, so we have um, uh, several chaplains here on Camp Bonsteel that soldiers can reach out to, um, and they're always available. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, the primary care staff, um, they can come talk to us as well. Um, and then we also have Military One Source where they can call and um, get, um, I, I believe it's between six and eight sessions for free over the phone if they just want to talk to somebody. And it's not on your medical record, it stays completely off. Because I know there's sometimes soldiers feel there's a stigma involved with going to behavioral health. But, um, and, and sometimes it can preclude you from certain um, schools and so forth, but it really depends just how stable you are. And that is determined usually by the primary care provider. Um, for example, if um, someone wants to go to ranger school and they're currently on an antidepressant, well, I'm not going to sign the school packet for them to the school physical to go unless they've been off the medication for six months and they've been cleared by behavioral health that they're fine and stable, that sort of thing. Okay. So the, um, the two types of cancer that we spoke about and the um, mental health were the hot topics. Um, what are your recommendations for general men's health? Yeah, so um, I would probably say depression is the biggest thing we want to look out for, um, especially when there's signs of suicide um, involved. Uh, and with the military, we have the ACE program where you um, ask care and escort. Um, so if you're seeing signs where a fellow soldier or battle buddy is, is you know, feeling loss of interest in, in doing activities they normally do, they're not really talking to anybody anymore, um, potentially giving away items that you feel like they normally enjoyed and so forth, you, you definitely need to act and, 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 and care for that soldier. And if, if absolutely needed, you need to take them to a a, uh, a provider so we can further talk to them and figure out what's going on and get them to the right place. Um, that covers mental health. Um, what about just being physically um, healthy? Yeah, so um, like I said before, with my patient population, 
relatively young, healthy soldiers, um, and specifically males. Prostate cancer is usually not the top thing I'm, I'm worried about, just because it doesn't affect that age, my age um, patient population. Testicular cancer, is, I sometimes talk to soldiers, but it's, it's fairly rare as well. Um, um, so for those two specifically, you know, if you are having urinary symptoms, if you are seeing any painless mass lump in your, in your, uh, your nether regions, uh, you definitely want to come see a provider about it um, so we can um, further evaluate and figure out if uh, we need to do some blood tests, maybe urine tests, maybe go see a specialist or do some imaging. Do you have any health recommendations outside of those those specific topics? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so exercise is always important. Um, you want to try to do at least 30 minutes a day, uh, four to five times a week where you get your heart rate elevated. Um, and then any strength training on that is definitely a positive. Uh, eating right is always good. Um, you want to make sure your plate is well balanced with vegetables, meats, and starches. Um, and we can always get you to a nutritionist if you're having issues with that or if you want um, kind of more information or more education on it. Um, and then um, another big screener is uh, um, tobacco use. Um, we have an excellent tobacco cessation program where we educate you on the treatments that we have available. And then we also go over the mental obstacles that you may encounter that help, will help you overcome those obstacles and um, get you on the track to stop smoking or, or dipping or chewing for that matter. So um, you talked about smoking um, and your recommendations for that. Um, can you talk about uh, alcohol usage and uh, more specifically the audit C test? Yeah, so that's a screening measure that whenever a patient comes in and, and states that they are drinking alcohol, we'll ask them several questions to include how often do you have a drink containing alcohol? How many drinks containing alcohol do you have on a typical day when you are drinking? Um, do you ever have six or more drinks on one occasion? Um, and then we usually talk, ask them, do you ever have an eye opener where you um, wake up in the morning and you have to have an, a, a drink? Um, so if depending on their answers and the quantitative score, we may want to recommend um, for them to lower their amount of drinking or we may want to um, get them to uh, a Baber Health Specialist that specializes in um, substance abuse, substance use, um, and see um, if they can't maybe get on the track to decreasing it or becoming completely abstinent from it. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the nutritionist when you talked about um, eating right, quote unquote, because um, you said um, a balance of meats and vegetables, and we know there's uh, like so many different diets out there right sure, now. Yeah. Um, um, is there a diet that you think is the best or uh, most appropriate for staying healthy? Yeah, I mean, anything you do, whether it's the keto diet or the um, intermittent fasting or um, for blood pressure, and um, I often recommend the Mediterranean diet, which is more fish and so forth, um, you definitely want to think about it in moderation. Um, anecdotally, um, and, in, and in recent research, but the keto diet, if you're just completely eating nothing but red meat, um, um, you're going to have issues with your cholesterol. And although this um, diet is relatively a newer fad, we really don't know the long-term outcomes of that um, outside of just having high cholesterol and being at risk for um, you know, heart attacks and strokes and so forth. Um, so uh, my biggest overall recommendation is just moderation. You don't want to go 
hardcore into one thing and then uh, or, or you're one you're not going to stick with it and two there may be some um, possible side effects with going those routes okay um, and what do you think about a vegetarian diet um, that can be okay as well. Um, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting um, uh, sufficient vitamins with that because sometimes you can become a, little, um, a certain uh, electrolyte and vitamin deficient with a vegetarian diet. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, you just want to make sure you're getting a decent amount of protein as well because um, sometimes it's hard to find that in um, strictly vegetarian. Okay. Um, so a couple of tips that I have, just general health tips, um, are to get an annual physical exam by your primary care provider, including blood pressure and height and weight checks. Um, have cholesterol testing every five years, screen for diabe diabetes, thyroid disease, liver problems, and anemia, um, and depending on the risk factors, screen for sexually transmitted diseases and HIV infection. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, it will just kind of alter some of those. Like it's it's not common to to screen for thyroid condition with everyone um, or liver function necessarily. Um, and for sexual transmitted disease, that's generally an age reference range. Um, and um, blood pressure though, 18 and over, we're gonna check it annually, especially with the periodic health exam assessments that we have in the military. Uh, cholesterol, it's gonna be 35 and over every five years, as long as it's normal. If it's abnormal, then it may be higher in frequency. Um, and then um, if there's um, elevated um, body mass index, so someone's overweight or obese, and they might, might trigger us to order some other things, um, such as a thyroid lab, and then also cholesterol, even if they're under the age of 35. So um, yeah, I, I agree with most of those, but I would just, um, just caveat a couple of them. Okay, um, any just overall um, parting words? Yeah, so um, always good um, to stay physically fit, um, especially while deployed. Um, not only does it help you with um, your um, um, your endurance and just overall um, health um, physically, but it also helps with your mental health. Um, it, it has been shown to help improve anxiety um, as well as depression uh, with increasing endorphins. So um, it's just stay active as much as you can and um, um, hopefully you don't develop some of those um, issues. But if, they, if you do, definitely come see one of us, or if you have a battle buddy that is, it feels like he's not himself or herself, um, ha recommend that he come see us or see one of the um, behavioral health reps and we'll, we'll get him squared away. Roger that. Um, soldiers, you have health insurance, so <laughs> use it. Uh, get checked out regularly. Go and see a doctor or a physician. Um, for resources, uh, if you want any information on any type of cancer, you can visit the American Cancer Society at cancer.org. The National Network of Depression Centers has resources for a wide variety of mental health issues like depression, suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder, and more. That's at nndc.org. And the Men's Health Network has information about everything, top to bottom, um, 
about staying healthy, if you want to visit that website, it's found at menshealthresourcecenter.com. Um, I want to thank you, sir, for joining us today. Um, again, I am Specialist Thomas, and this has been a Rock or Something podcast.